morning. We are a couple weeks into this series that we launched a couple weeks back on beginning again, getting a fresh start in life. And in week one, we talked about how the starting point, you know, how you really begin again, is a relationship. You begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the key verses we looked at was Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It says this. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And we looked at this and kind of began to explain what this means, what it means to experience God's gift of grace, and how we don't have to earn it. It says that He's actually planning some things you know, for us, for we are God's workmanship. You know, he's, he's recreating something, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have been offered a free gift of eternal life. And we also have the opportunity to experience just a different quality of life here and now. Just, he gives us this through our ability to know and receive Jesus Christ and, and really be saved from the penalty of going our own way in life. And we looked at that two weeks ago. And how that's really the starting point, the breakthrough point to begin again. And then last week we looked at this verse and dealing with, what do we do with our past? I'm really trying to answer that question. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The promise here is that God promises He can build a life out of the rubble of our past, out of the rubble of our failures and hurts and struggles and losses the grief we're in, the, the bitterness that may um, infect our relationships. God can build on those things and, and create something new. And so both of those messages, the first two of this series are on our website. I want to invite you to check it out if you haven't um, been at either one of those services. But there are several other areas of our lives that we look at and we realize, man, I need a fresh start. And so today we're going to focus in on an area that we all deal with almost daily, and it's the area of trust. Trust. In fact, trust is the key factor in all of our relationships. This, we find out that trust is so important throughout all of life. It shows up in our business arrangements. It shows up in the contracts that we, that we make. It, show, it shows up in the, the commitments we sign on, and we say, hey, I'm, you can count on me. You know, if you sign to move in somewhere, and you sign a contract saying, look, yeah, you know, I'll pay my rent on this date by this time or whatever, you know, you sign a contract, there's this trust arrangement that's going on with you and your landlord or with you with, and the mortgage company, the banks, you know, or if, even just in the promises you make to people, there's trust involved in that. Trust impacts us all over. Trust impacts us at work. A professor from Columbia Business School said, mistrust doubles the cost of doing business. If you're a business owner, you're trying to pull together a team who would learn to trust each other, work together well. And that requires tremendous trust. Whenever people are not working with in harmony and when there's mistrust, then you know it costs the organization more money ultimately. They have to find new people. They've got to train new people. The money they had spent in these individuals, now they've got to start fresh. And so it, it doubles the cost. And so this is a really important issue. There's some stats here of showing the decline of organizational trust. It's going down. Only 51% of employees have trust and confidence in their senior management. So, you know, not, you know, half, half workers, you know, they don't, they don't trust. Look at this. Only 35% of employees believe that their leaders act with honesty and integrity. Now, if a team is going to be successful, if a sports team, if you're, if you're an athlete, 
your coach. You know, trust must be the bedrock. Here's a quote from Doc Rivers, the Clippers coach. Last year after a loss, he was quoted in saying this, I thought our trust was broken today offensively. Thought we all tried to do it individually where there's no ball movement. The ball's just in one spot. Nobody wanted to pass the ball. No one wanted to work as a team. They were just saying, I don't trust you. Look over here. Nope, I'll just hold the ball. And so he identified the core issue was a trust problem. Apparently, no one on that team had confidence in their teammates. I don't follow basketball much. I'm not a huge basketball fan, as you could tell by my height. Um, I never got into that sport. But trust is also crucial in family life. I want to show you a, a brief video clip from a movie. It's called Liar Liars, an old movie. You tend to see a lot of you know, 20-year-old movies here if you come, because <laughs> that's about when I was watching a lot of movies. <laughs> so, still watch movies here and there. But, but I've got this video clip that, that shows a family that has been damaged because of a string of broken promises. Okay, a string of broken promises. And so let's just watch this clip together and we'll continue. Are you marrying this guy because you're mad at me? No, I divorced you because I was mad at you. Audrey, wait, I want to talk about this. Well, what do you want to say? Is this guy right for you? I mean, he's just so... Not me! Yes, that's one of his best qualities. Yeah, but he's kind of... I'm sorry. You're wrong. I mean, sometimes, maybe, yes, he is a little bit... Magoo! Yes, but since we've been going out... Oh, God, I'm not having this conversation with you. Audrey, you can't go. This is not fair. Fair? Oh, okay, let's define fair, shall we? Last night, a five-year-old boy was crushed because his father lied to him about coming to his birthday party. Fair? Last night. was none of my business. Thank you. But it matters to Max. Everything you do matters to Max and everything you don't. All right, now let me tell you something. I'm a bad father. I mean... is the mother of all promises. What time? Six. Ten to six. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But if I tell Max that you're coming and you don't show up, and I have to see that look on his face, that heartbreaking look, we're going to Boston. If I don't show up, I'll pack you myself. I will lovingly wrap your knickknacks with bubble paper. I hope so. Do you know what your son was doing at 8.15 last night? He was making a birthday wish that for just one day, his father couldn't tell a lie. And that's the, that's the premise right there of the movie, is his birthday wish. He's, he's not able to lie. and He's just a habitual liar leading up to this point. And so he's not able to tell a lie. That's why he said, I'm a bad father. It's because that was the truth. And... Um, in family life, 
this issue of trust is really the bedrock of a healthy family. And over and over, we just see trust is the key factor in all our relationships. In church life, trust is so critical here. Trust is absolutely necessary if we're going to be effective as a group of people to take hold of the mission that Jesus has given us and actually do something with that. If, if, if he would say, you know, well done, Orange Crest Community Church, you've been faithful, that's going to require a, a, a tremendous amount of trust in leadership and in one another. It's, it, it requires trust for you to extend yourself, for you to volunteer your time, to, to help pitch, pitch in and, and help what we do go forward each, each and every week or month after month. You're, that requires trust. If you're in a small group, to share who you are and to really let people in, to let people know where you're coming from. Again, that takes trust. And we kind of operate with a desire to create an environment here where people can move at their own pace into church life as trust is being established. Because it's so critical. Now, trust is defined in this way. The dictionary, Merriam-Webster, defines trust as the belief that someone or something is reliable, good, honest, effective, etc., Now, that's an interesting definition. (laughs) I get it. Reliable, good, honest, effective. But I'm blown away. Why would they put etc. in there? In In the dictionary to define something. It assumes a lot. For a definition of such an important word to leave it open-ended, that assumes that we all know what trust really is. Etc. I just feel like I needed to point that out. But the truth is, it's almost easier to put your finger on what causes distrust than it is to have a clear picture of a trustworthy person. And so we're going to talk about both of those things. What does it mean to be, you know, what is distrust, how do we define that, and, and how do you build trust? And so I want to give you a picture to kind of uh, help us get started. If I had a piggy bank up here, basically you've, you've probably had piggy banks. Um, you know, with a piggy bank, you make deposits. All of us kind of trust, have a trust account with those that we interact with regularly. There's like a piggy bank. And as we relate, we're either making deposits and building trust in those relationships or we make withdrawals. It's like you kind of open up the plug at the bottom of the piggy bank and and all of the, the trust that has been developed, it kind of spills out the bottom. And so there's this picture in my mind of trust. And, and actually, when you look at the word for trust, a lot of times the, the issue is financial. And it's this idea of confidence and, and in this assurance of resources coming back. And there's, I'm, even in, like, if you establish a trust, there's a financial element to that. So have that in your mind. Like, my interaction with people is I, I'm actually depositing things into this trust bank with them. Or I'm, or I'm making withdrawals. Now, here's how trust is broken. You see this in your listening guide. The first way that's most often broken is being inconsiderate. Whenever I don't or you don't consider others, what they do is they pull back from us. They pull away and they don't trust because it's obvious that we're in it for ourselves. And some common ways that we're, we can be inconsiderate with people are when, when the plans that I'm making, are, in, are they are convenient for me, but not convenient for the rest of the group. I'm building them around myself. Or our words are kind of all about, I just want to get this off my chest. I'm not thinking about how this is going to land, how it's going to impact the rest of the group. If I'm just trying to get something off my chest, I'm being inconsiderate. That breaks trust. There's this general blindness. When we're being inconsiderate, there's just this blindness that we operate with 
regarding the needs of the people in our lives. Second area where trust is broken is just not keeping our word. When you don't keep promises, people quit taking you seriously. If you only intend to get to it someday, then don't make the promise. Whenever, you know, whenever we're thinking about keeping our words or making a commitment, we need to ask ourselves several questions. We need to ask ourselves, am I really going to be committed to do this even if it's painful? Or, if it's harder than I thought originally, am I going to keep my word? Am I going to keep this commitment? Or am I just going to let this fly off into cyberspace somewhere? Sometimes we make commitments through communication like email or texting, and then we don't follow through, and we just kind of hope, maybe it just got lost somewhere in cyberspace. On several occasions, I've overcommitted myself. I've been too ambitious in my commitments, and I've not been able to keep my full word. And I'm sure you've been in this place. But what that does, as I was thinking through that, is that sets into motion all sorts of consequences. When I break trust in that way, when I don't keep my word, who pays? Well, first my loved ones typically pay. And then my friendships suffer because I'll be unavailable. I'll be distracted. I'll be, I'll be anxious. And then I lose sleep because I have to lose sleep because I still have to pull off the things I'm committing to. You know, and if I'm trying to dig myself out of a hole because I've broken trust, um, I still realize, man, I don't want to give a sloppy effort here, so I've got to do my best with this. So I'd rather lose sleep than to, to give a sloppy effort, but, but then it perpetuates the whole cycle. Then my, my loved ones suffer, my friendships suffer, I suffer, lack of sleep, and I try harder, and then they suffer, and it's just this cycle. And here's another area where trust is broken. Making bad decisions. Sometimes this comes from that not keeping my word or not keeping our word, but people are not inclined to go along with us if our ideas continually are poor, if they're foolish choices. So being prudent and wise, those are crucial things for trust. For especially for those who pay a price or reap the benefit for, for your decision. So all of us, we have this trust bank and the things that I mentioned, those are ways that we lose trust. That's how we withdraw trust. It's just like we withdraw, you know, we take money out of the ATM. You might go to get a $20 bill out of the ATM. You're withdrawing trust. Those are some ways you're taking from accounts. And if we keep withdrawing funds and never make deposits into relational trust accounts, then our relationships may go bankrupt. We can even receive that little message that you get when you try to pay, when you have no money in the bank, and it says insufficient funds. We can experience that with a relationship where if we've not made deposits, there is very little trust left in those relationships. And so, that's what we're looking at this morning. What we're not going to deal with this morning, just to give you kind of a heads up, we're not going to be dealing with the more extreme cases of distrust related to abuse or trauma or more severe cases of broken trust, uh, but more dealing with the common issues that we tend to face. And so, maybe you're here today and this topic really resonates with you because when you, when you look at that list of how trust is broken, you kind of see some of those issues in, in the mirror. And what these things can do is they can cause us to duck and hide when we see certain people coming because we feel like, man, I have really blown it. Or it could even, maybe right now you're experiencing this gaping hole of healthy relationships because of the damage that has been done. Or possibly, what often I see is that if you have been so hurt by others and those wounds have not healed, then it's very tempting to just keep, keep people at arm's length. And just choose, I'm not going to ever trust anyone again. I'm not going to get close to anyone again. 
I've been ripped off too many times. And so we're just tempted to keep shutting people out. But wherever you're at, I just want to encourage you. God, God can really help you begin again. I want to look at a couple of key ideas, two key ideas in the Bible that helps us rebuild trust. As we dig into the Scriptures, here's what we find. We find that love and faithfulness rebuild trust. Love and faithfulness. These are more than just mere words. Love and faithfulness rebuild trust. In fact, this kind of love and faithfulness appears in the Bible. These two words, this idea, love and faithfulness, they appear in the Bible kind of like childhood best friends. They, they, you usually see these words together. Love and faithfulness in the Old Testament. Take a look at Proverbs 16, verses 6 and 7, and see how God deals with our breaking trust with Him. 16, verse 6 says, Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. The word atoned means canceled or purged. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Now the context is speaking of God's love and His faithfulness. Through God's love and faithfulness, Basically, our sin is atoned for. Through His love for us, through His faithfulness to us, He has made a way for our sin to be canceled, to be covered. This is a picture of what God has done. But it also provides a picture of how you and I can relate to one another. And how to rebuild trust after we have damaged that bank account, that trust bank. He goes on to say this, Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. So basically, once our sin has been atoned for, out of reverence for God, now we can live in line with what, what, with what God really wants. Verse 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, you know what pleases God? Verse 6, Love, faithfulness, and obedience. Or fearing God, doing what He says. Love, faithfulness, obedience. That's, that's when I'm pleasing the Lord. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, and, operating, and I'm operating in those ways, loving, faithful, obedient ways to the Lord, then God gets involved in this way. He makes even His enemies... Live at peace with Him. My actions create a response in other people. So I'm doing some things that I'm making... I can even make my enemies live at peace with me. But then I think God also gets involved and He is working in the relationships to bring healing, to, to mend wounds. And so it turns out that love and faithfulness, these two ideas carry a lot of power with them if we can get them into our lives. And what comes to your mind when you think of this word love from verse 6? Maybe you think of a particular feeling of love or a good memory of a time when you felt loved. Um, Several ideas come to my mind when I think of the word love. But the word love here in the Old Testament, there's a New Testament idea that's somewhat similar, or that is is quite similar. Um, But this word love that's being talked about here is a Hebrew word. And here's the word, in case you're wondering, what what does the original Old Testament look like? Well, that's the word for love. It's one of the words. It's the word chesed. And if you want to say it right, you'd actually kind of like chesed. You'd have to ch the beginning of it. Because it's like a H, but with a rough guttural sound. So you read it from the right to the left. And in those Hebrew letters, it just it spells that word chesed. And it means loyal love, unfailing kindness, devotion. Hebrew words have a range of meaning. Greek tends to have very specific, um, exact meanings. Hebrew words, you have to... You see there's a range of meaning, and so you have to really understand the context of what it's saying. Now, one, this, dif- this dictionary of biblical languages says that it's a love that is steadfast based on a prior relationship. That's the kind of love. It's built on a relationship. And so God, He describes Himself using this term of He's a loving God. He's a God who loves. 
Exodus 34.6, there's a point where God gives, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And God, when He, when He comes passing by, He identifies Himself in this way. I'm just going to read you the verses. Exodus 34.6. It says that God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's the word he's using here. In describing himself, he's saying, I am abounding in love. I have this, I I work from this steady prior relationship. I act from this place of relationship. And God, he made a covenant with the people of Israel. These were his people that he called to himself and he says, you are my people and I am your God. And basically, he established this relationship where he would be kind to them, he would be good to them, he would be loyal to them. And then God demonstrated this love through all sorts of things. If you read through the Old Testament, you see, wow, God provided. He he demonstrates his love through provision, through protection, through forgiveness, through guidance, through sending leaders, all these different leaders. Those were loving acts of God. Through sending deliverers who would deliver God's people. These were all acts of God's devotion. Not just warm, fuzzy feelings. These weren't just God's happy thoughts for these people. No, these were loyal and loving acts. That's the word love. That's what it means to be loving in this way. And then, the faithfulness talked about here is the word Emmet. It's like the the Lego character in the Lego movie. His name is Emmet. That actually says Emmet. Again, reading from the right to the left... It means firmness, trustworthiness, reliable, truthful. Now, this is who God is. God is loving and He is faithful. God is completely faithful in His interactions. When He promises something, He makes good on His promises. When He speaks and says, and brings something to pass, when He declares something's going to happen, it happens. When He says, a consequence is about to be delivered if you cross this line, a consequence is delivered because God is faithful. And so some examples of this is creation. In creation, God said, let there be light. He kept His word. He's faithful to His word and boom, there's light. Why? Because when God says something's going to happen, He is truthful, He's reliable. It's going to happen. When He said, let us make man in our image, he, he, He does that. He pulls that off. When He says, I will make a helper suitable for the man, He does that. He doesn't... Oh, I said I was going to do that. I forgot. I forgot. Sorry, Adam. I'll get around to that. And Adam's like, man, God, come on, come on. Everybody's got a, everybody's got a, 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 a partner here. Everybody's got a, 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 someone they get to interact with. What if, no, God says, I will make a helper suitable. He, you know, he, he pulls this off, okay? He actually observes this. He doesn't actually have, the, he doesn't get Adam's advice on what's going to happen. He observes what's going on. He observes the man's isolation and he provides. It's an act of faithful, or love and of faithfulness. But there's all kinds of, you know, acts of, of love and faithfulness. Sin, God's judgment because of sin, is an act of His faithfulness. He said this in the garden. He said this, You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely what? You will surely die. And when Adam and Eve rebelled, God kept His Word and the judgment that was pronounced was separation from God. Why? Well, because He's faithful. He is, he is true to His Word. There was spiritual death. There was even physical death that came to humanity. Now, thankfully, He's also loving because that wasn't the final word. He's loving and so out of His love, He wired 
in our rescue plan. In, in the book of Exodus, he tells his people, and he tells the leader of his people, Moses, trust me, I'm going to deliver you out of Pharaoh's hand. I'm going to deliver you from captivity. And he keeps his word. And some of the things that he asked his people to do through the Old Testament, when we read them, we think, wow, that is absolutely crazy. It, well, you know, some of the requests he was making must have seemed insane. But because God is faithful, he was true to his promises, his people could trust him, and he would bring his word to bear, and, and things would come to pass. But just for us, this is the picture. God's love and faithfulness, for us, that, that shows us how to relate to one another. For us, this means doing what you said you're going to do. Faithfulness, faithfulness means keeping your word, regardless of how inconvenient it is. Love and faithfulness it just keeps calling us to a higher standard. It calls us to put other people's interests ahead of our own. And the temptation is that when relationships get rocky, that we just move on when things get tough. And if relationship, if it's not fulfilling, then you just go find another relationship. But that's a trap because the problems with giving, the problem with giving into that thought of, oh, I'm just going to run and build new relationships is that the habits and the hurts that we experienced in the past, we carry those on into the next relationship and then the next relationship and so on. And I can spend a lifetime just jumping from relationship to the next relationship and never experiencing what God really wants me to experience. And you might be here thinking, yeah, that's just, you know, I have messed up way too much in this area and, and I cannot recover. I could never rebuild trust. I'm a lost cause. But, but the truth is, God, through His Son Jesus, has told us, look, it's not too late to begin again. So I want to encourage you. These qualities that we see in God and, and who He is are the qualities that, that, that rebuild trust in our life. Three ways, just as we wrap up, to restore trust. The first one is take responsibility for your actions. Do not blame the other person or your circumstances. Sometimes we've been unfaithful in some way, we've been untrustworthy in some way, and we blame the circumstances, the pressure in our life, the things we're, we're doing, or you know, just how busy it is. And I've been in situations where I was really hurt by the other person, but then I realized, man, my hands are not clean in this mess. We get tangled up in a conflict with someone and we, we look at ourselves honestly and we say, wow, my hands are pretty dirty in this conflict as well. I've got, I've got a part to play in this. And so what do I need to do? I need to choose to humble myself, which seems like an impossible thing when we're trying to prove our case and be right. So I need to humble myself. I need to choose not to blame the other person and just take responsibility for my part and just choose humility and admit, man, I blew it. And then second, ask forgiveness from the other person. Now this, this may sound elementary, but I want to encourage you, be specific about the time you've done wrong. Be specific when you've done wrong. It helps to spell out exactly what happened and ask forgiveness for the hurt that you've caused. It means so much for the other person to know that they've been understood or to know that, to, to hear from you, look, I, I hurt you in this way. I was harsh with you. I was unkind with you in this way. Would you please forgive me? An important thing to remember in this step is that trust is not repaired just because someone has asked for forgiveness or said, I'm sorry. Or even given forgiveness. Forgiveness is choosing to forgive someone and not hold it against them in the future. That's what forgiveness is. It's choosing to forgive and not hold it against them in the future. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to forget what happened. Forgive and forget is not a biblical idea. 
That's a cultural idea. You can't possibly forget everything that has happened to you, can you? But when the thought comes up, you can just decide, I have already forgotten. I'm not going to hold that against them any longer. I've sent that away. I'm not going to make them pay for that any longer. But trust is a different story. Trust is rebuilt by doing the first step. So if you're trying to rebuild trust, you have to just start taking these steps. Take responsibility. Ask forgiveness. And then third, set out to show love and faithfulness. I love this verse, Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. Whereas Proverbs 16 was talking about God's love and faithfulness, this is actually directed to His people. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. This is saying, take these things with you everywhere you go. Take love and faithfulness into all your relationships. Into all your relational interaction. Take love and faithfulness. Never leave home without them. It's like American Express, but better. Bind them around your neck, he says. You, don't, you, you cannot afford your relationships, your family life, your friendships, your co You cannot afford to leave these things at home. You have got to interact daily with love and faithfulness in this way. Verse 4, Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. This verse, it gives us a formula for favor with people and developing a good name. And if you have those things, then you, you have trust with people. Love and faithfulness is what equals trust. And, and it, it is what can repair the damage that gets done. It's not going to happen overnight. It may take years, honestly, for you to get the opportunity, opportunity to just be loving and faithful to a relationship that has been damaged in the past. So you just may need to just be patient and wait for those opportunities, again, to be loving. Here's an opportunity for me to be loving. Here's an opportunity for me to keep my word. I know I've blown it in the past, but here's a new... Here's a new day. Here's a new commitment I can make. I better make sure that I'm ready to keep this commitment. But here's a new opportunity today. And it might seem like a, like a small task to be faithful sometimes. But love and faithfulness in the small things, it turns into big trust in the relational bank that we have with people. As, as the worship team comes forward, I just want to ask you, what would it look like practically for you to bind love and faithfulness around your neck. What does that look like for you? Look at that verse. Go back to that verse. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. What would that look like practically for you to do that as you leave here today? What does that need to look like at, at work? What does that need to look like in, in, in the roommates, among roommates, among your family, or in church life? What does it look like for us to bind this? It's not just a nice saying, but how could that actually live how can we live that out in our lives? Imagine the difference in our relationships if we did these things. Just think of how you have learned to trust God and how if you're at a point where... And I know for some, it might be that you're like, I'm not there yet. I'm not trusting God yet. I haven't... You know, some of you maybe have not decided yet to follow Christ and really have begun to trust Him. Others of you, you have been walking with Him and you've seen Him come through. And you know, God, God is so faithful. He, I can count on Him. Imagine what that would be like in your relationships, in your interpersonal relationships, if you decided to act in this way. Go ahead and take out that connection card and flip it to the back. There's a couple of next steps I want to highlight here. The first is memorizing that verse, Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. We just looked at. And then second is take the step God has brought to mind to be rebuilding trust. More than likely, as we've been looking at this this morning, there's somebody's face has come into your mind. Maybe there's a name and you're like, you know what? 
I think I need to do something. Matter of fact, when I was sitting here singing in the song, just before I came up, I was like, man, I need to go clear something up. So I'll do that today. Because there's no way to rebuild trust with people if we don't if we sweep things under the, the rug. And so as the Lord convicts us of things, for us just to say, God, I want to do that thing. I want to, I want to take that step. I just really encourage you to, uh, to not just leave here with no plan, but just really think through what is it God wants you to do. And then we've left one blank. If you want to jot something down for your notes, just as you're thinking through this this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this pattern of of working with us, Lord. Thank you for identifying yourself as the God who is loving and faithful. You have unfailing love. You have loyal devotion. You are completely reliable and truthful and trustworthy. And Lord, that when we see that, it stands out from this world. And so thank you for giving us a picture of how to relate to each other. Lord, help us to take this, these truths and bind them, fasten them around us. We need these things in our homes. We need these in our friendships. We need this in this church, Lord, if we're going to be faithful to you and if we're going to accomplish and be effective in the mission that you've given us as a church. Lord, please let us bind love and faithfulness around our church even, Lord. Help us to operate in these ways with one another. Lord, if there's relationships that are hurt and broken, Lord, which I know there are, Lord, please show us that these ways are our hope for repairing the damage. Thank you for drawing us here. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. Pray you bless the offering. May it honor you, Lord. As you look upon our lives and our acts of obedience, Lord, may it really honor you. We thank you for this time in Jesus.